If you lie in bed each night thinking today went exactly according to plan, then you'll only find today's episode confusing because episode 14 is all about when best laid plans unravel by getting derailed. Welcome to the Unperfect Podcast. I'm your host, Shelley Sneed, and I'm here to help you see glimpses of God's glory among life's imperfections. If you've ever struggled with measuring up to an unattainable standard or wondered where is God during less than perfect circumstances, you're not alone. Hope and probably a bit of humor are coming up. Have you ever had a day that just didn't go according to your plan? When this happens, I feel like my best laid plans can go in one of two negative directions, either completely derailed or delayed, and both can lead to a complete unraveling if I'm not careful. So today I'm going to focus on when plans get derailed. Next week, we'll tackle delays. So before we get started, here's just a little snapshot of a particular day many years ago that, I don't know, sometimes feels like it just pretty much sums up my entire existence. So this particular day began when my dog woke me up around 3.30 a.m. to potty. We would find out later that he has only one kidney, so this happens often. Lucky us. Anyway, I had a meeting at 8 o'clock in the morning with one of my kids' principals. The school hadn't even started yet, but this had My oldest kid needed to be at band camp also at 8 a.m., which should be a secondary definition of parenting, the act of getting four different kids to four different locations simultaneously. But anyway, I also had to pick up my groceries at Walmart at 10, so I had a lot going on that morning. And the old me wouldn't have realized I'd kind of overbooked myself until around 7.15 that morning, needing to be two different places at the same time. But the new me, the one that's been married to type A, I put my keys in the same place every day, thus I can't relate to any of my wife's crises, man, for 28 years. Yeah, that me actually had made arrangements ahead of time for someone else to take my son to band camp. Well, that was the plan. Not a lot of margin, but it was a workable plan. Well, what actually happened that morning was this. My handsome hubby, who had been coughing up lungs for days and hadn't slept in a week, wakes me up at 6.45 and says, I need you to take Silas to band camp. I'm going to the doctor at 7.15. So after a few moments of inward panic, I regroup because us type B people are freaking awesome at regrouping. We get a lot of practice. And I headed downstairs to move my plan up 30 minutes. Downstairs, however, I ran into a large colony of ants who had decided my kitchen floor was a yummo. And I'm sure it is because I've seen what my kids drop there by the hour. So I began frantically spraying my peppermint oil around the room, pausing only when I hear my husband say, do you smell dog poop? Yep, there on the laundry room floor, I found the gift of doggy diarrhea, which my clearly sick dog has left me uh, in a large volume next to his crate. So to the sound of my now glad he's sick and leaving husband saying, bye, gotta run, I began the cleaning process and strategic planning for my two sleeping 12-year-olds to put the dog on the porch and take him out every hour while I'm gone. So y'all, it was only 7 a.m. and my best laid plans for that day had already been completely derailed. But oh, the many days that have gone that way. In fact, it would be easier to count the days that haven't gone that way. I actually can't think of a day where I laid down that night and said, that's a wrap, all went according to plan, check the perfect day box. 
So how do we respond to the unexpected life events that creep in or boldly appear and threaten to rob us of our joy and our peace? Because life is going to happen no matter how prepared, organized, or spiritual we are. And our best made plans are going to get derailed by unexpected things. It happened to some amazing people in the Bible. And when it did happen, some of them handled it wisely and some of them handled it poorly. That makes me think of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade movie, where they're trying to choose the actual chalice that Jesus drank from, and the greedy villain chooses a really elaborate one. He drinks from it, he shrivels up and dies, and the knight who's been standing guard for ages says, he chose poorly. But when Harrison Ford chooses the wooden one, because, you know, Jesus was a carpenter, and he takes a sip, the knight says, you have chosen wisely. What does that have to do with this? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. I just thought of a movie quote and wanted to give you a little glimpse into how my brain works. So anyway, just like us, people in Scripture saw their plans derailed constantly. Moses spends 40 days and nights on a mountain with God, receiving his commandments and words, and comes down ready to give them to God's people, only to find God's people dancing around some ugly golden cows they've made with their own melted jewelry, while Aaron, the guy who's about to become their high priest, he says, here are the gods who brought you out of Egypt. Moses' plans were completely derailed. There's Sarah, who finds out she's pregnant at age 90. I just can't. What a change in plan that was. There's Joseph, who had a God-given dream of everybody bowing down to him, but then he finds himself a slave and thrown in prison after being falsely accused. This poor guy even gets a glimmer of hope when God gives him that side hustle of interpreting dreams while he's in jail. And as the king's butler heads out in freedom, Joseph calls out, Hey, don't forget me when you get out. But he's immediately forgotten. Plans completely derailed. There's Esther, who becomes queen only to find out one of the king's trusted advisors has devised a way to kill her and all of her people. There's young Mary, who finds out she's unexpectedly, however miraculously, pregnant with God's son and almost loses her fiancé over it. We see this kind of plan derailing all through Scripture. And let me make one truth clear before I go any further. I'm confident that God's plan doesn't get derailed. I don't pretend to understand how human choice and God's sovereignty interconnect completely, but I believe that they do. And we know from Isaiah 55, 11, that His Word doesn't fail to accomplish the purpose for which it was sent. We know from Romans 8, 28, that He works all things together for good, even the crappy stuff. And we know from the very life, death, and resurrection of Jesus that God is always in complete control, even when His creation does the unthinkable. So what I'm talking about here when I talk about plans getting derailed is I'm talking about our own plans, even plans that seem amazing, great, and spiritual, but for some reason, they get derailed. Our finite minds can't see the reason for it, for that pruning or the change in direction, the death of the dream, or whatever that plan happened to be. So today I want to give you a few suggestions on handling the unexpected, the derailing of what we thought was a great plan. So hang on, and I'll be right back after this. If you sometimes struggle with living in the tension of the now and the not yet, I've got a free resource just for you called The Unperfect Promises of God. It's a printable download of five biblical meditations to help you find balance between the brokenness we live in and the hope that we have in Jesus. Just click on the link in the show notes and that printable download is yours free. 
Yay, we love free. So here we go. A few suggestions to handle the derailing of what we thought was a great plan. And for your mnemonic pleasure, they all begin with the letter L. You're welcome. I worked really hard on that. Okay, number one, lengthen my reaction time. This one is hard for me. My kids tend to freak out over not so serious things. I have no idea where they get it from. I'm just kidding. I know exactly where they get it from. When one of my sons was younger, he was trying to trim a loose wire on his braces. I don't encourage anyone to do that at home because he ended up cutting a small little portion of his face. Uh, so anyway, he, it, he comes up to me calmly covering it up, wisely covering it up, and he says very coolly, Mom, I need to show you something, but take a deep breath and don't freak out. So he removes his hand from the damage, and I totally freaked out, y'all. Hysterics. My kids now know better than to show me things that need stitches. That is their dad's forte, not mine. But anyway, a great question to stop and ask ourselves when things happen that derail our plans and we want to respond immediately. Is this a big deal or a little deal? Because if it's a big deal, I can take some deep calming breaths, I can pray, then I can call in backup, like scream for my husband to take this kid to the ER, and go from there. One of the best parenting techniques my husband and I are still learning is that we don't have to handle every derailing right when it occurs. Taking time to calm down, take a step backward, pray, act wisely. Things always go better in our parenting and actually in our marriage when we do this rather than when we just react. So just last week, we needed to talk with one of our kids about some pretty deep things, so we told them we were taking him out to lunch. Well, apparently, our kids all know our MO, and the parents taking you out to eat alone is code for you're in trouble or they're about to tell you something life-changing like we're moving or you're changing schools or something like that. So naturally, this son was nervous the whole way there. Also happened that the restaurant was super crowded. There were people we knew all around us. So it just wasn't going to be the most conducive environment to this conversation happening. So my husband wisely texts me, let's just have lunch. We'll talk later. And I honestly think that when we did that, that original plan got derailed and we didn't rush headlong into just making it happen. It benefited us as parents and our relationship with our son. So sometimes the derailings can be big deals, and we need to take a step back and decide how we're going to respond. Sometimes they're little deals. They can be handled with just a few deep breaths, a little more prayer, and some applied wisdom. So knowing the answer to that question, is this a little deal or a big deal, is helpful. And also just lengthening that reaction time as we choose how to act can better help us see how big of a crisis it is. Is it a crisis at all? Is it just something unexpected? I can shift gears and everything will be okay. Okay, number two, lean into creativity. My friend Gail introduced me to a great word or phrase. I'm not sure what you call two hyphenated words. Anyway, a while back, and it's this, solution-focused. Now, my mind tends to get bogged down in a panic um, frustration, temporary paralysis of the moment that my plan gets derailed. But it's more productive to focus on workable, maybe even temporary solutions to help me move forward. So Travis Kalanick, co-founder of Uber, once said, every problem has a solution. You just have to be creative enough to find it. When I focus on what's going wrong, I tend to get stuck there. 
but I'm moving in a new direction when I try to think creatively. I can't fix everything and I may not get my day back on track, but forward motion is motion in my book. And I often spend more time than necessary blaming someone or something for my interruption than I do producing the creativity to move past it. And just a reminder here, the parts of our plan that we can't control usually involve other people. So I can't fixate on my solutions for how others should act, talk, move, etc. I can only look for solutions to how I respond to them. And then, as I've mentioned on the podcast in the past, I have to untangle my responsibility from their responses. I have to trust that God will control what I can't and work through the mess, especially when it involves other people. Number three, look for humor. Seriously, the times my husband and I laugh hysterically about the craziness that our lives create are some of the most therapeutic times of my week. Laughter does have proven physical, emotional, and spiritual benefits, which I shared in episode one of this podcast. But I realize some interruptions are more serious, like news from a doctor, the loss of a job, a child's behavior. They can throw us for a big loop, and I'm not suggesting you laugh in the face of a diagnosis or a trip to the ER. Because as I shared in episode 7, Grieving What Never Was, there is definitely a time for grief and sorrow and mourning, and this is not a denouncement of spending some needed time there. Rather, let laughter be something you seek during the lesser dramas to better sustain you in the greater ones. We can find the courage to consider it joy if for no other reason than God has allowed it. So he's still in this with us. If possible, muster up the humor to say out loud, Wow, God, I know your plans are creative, but who'd have thought cleaning this dog poop in record time would be part of it? No derailing of our plans has surprised our creator. So we can muster up a little joy, maybe a little humor, in just thinking, I can't wait to see how God shows up in this one. I'm no longer on social media, but this is basically what I used my Facebook account for in the past. It was my free therapy to joke about what I couldn't change anyway and just throw it out there for others to laugh and hopefully pray with me. And I hope that by laughing a little at some of my crazy stories, even here on the podcast, your heart feels just a smidge lighter about what's going on in your life and maybe with some of your derailed plans. The last suggestion is this. Number four, let God disciple you. Now, first, let me tell you what I'm not saying here. I'm not saying every moment occurs for a deep spiritual reason. We can't always find a purpose for our pain and even Great biblical promises don't always encourage our grieving hearts. In her book, This Too Shall Last, Finding Grace When Suffering Lingers, author K.J. Ramsey writes this, We live in a conqueror culture, fixed on gnawing our sorrows into stories of success. If we can't protect ourselves from pain, we'll overcome it. We'll search high and low for its purpose, and having found it, we'll show the world God's strength. But we know, y'all, that's just not always the case. Sometimes the only thing I have learned, and I say that with air quotes, in some of my biggest derailings is that God is still there with me, even when the crushing doesn't get alleviated there. So what I am saying when I say, let God disciple you, is this, that God can use derailings to purify us if we let Him. And notice, I didn't say we have to like it. Just this morning, I read something interesting in the Psalms about Joseph's story. So I mentioned him earlier as an example of someone who faced multiple planned derailments. 
And Psalm 104, 17 through 19 gives us a little more insight into his situation. It says, Joseph was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with shackles. His neck was put in an iron collar. Until the time his prediction came true, the word of the Lord tested him. And that word tested doesn't mean that God was putting him to a test necessarily, like with Job. The Hebrew word there for tested is the actual word for the refining a goldsmith does when he melts the metal and removes any impurities. So a better translation, and maybe there's one out there somewhere that says this, would be, until his predictions came true, the Lord refined him. And God can't refine us if we're not willing, pliable subjects. There has to be this letting go of the will for that to happen. We often interpret the word discipline in Scripture to punishment, but the Greek word used can also mean to teach, to disciple. It involves molding of character. And Hebrews 12 reminds us that God uses this technique with those He loves. So I had to pray pretty honestly this morning. God, help me to desire this because I know the process is painful and I don't really welcome pain. But I do want to be made more into the likeness of Jesus. So give me the courage and the surrender to let you have your way with my character when my plans start to unravel. To let you do any teaching or transforming you may want to do during this time. So I hope you found some encouragement on today's episode. And if you have some great strategies and how we as believers can and should respond to plans that are unraveling, I would love to hear them. There'll be a link in the show notes to a blog version of this podcast, and you can comment there. But just know I'm not a pro at any of this. I'm working toward the day that maybe I can lie in bed at night and say, today did not go according to plan, but Jesus, I completely trust you and I'm adapting my plan to align with what you apparently see as a better plan for me. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a quick rating and review. It only takes a second and it helps other unperfect people like us find the podcast so they can be encouraged too. As always, I'm praying you have a blessed week and are able to see glimpses of glory in the now and the not yet of your unperfect life. See you next time.